You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Cafe Royale. Cafe Royale. Nice. It sounds fancy, doesn't it? It does sound. Well, I mean, because it's Royale. That's why. Cafe Royale. Throw the word Royale in there. It gets real fancy. It's, um, it is Imperial, Imperial Coffee Milk Stout mm. in bourbon barrels. Fancy. Wow. That's, it tastes delicious. It tastes like coffee. It's super fancy. Like, this edition of Word Bros is brought to you by the Aleworks Brewing Company, Cafe Royale. They actually didn't do anything. They haven't given us a nickel, so screw them. <laughs> but Kevin likes it, so it's worth it. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome to the Word Bros podcast. We are the Word Bros. My name is Bob France, and I am joined by my Word Bro partner. His name is Kevin Cuff. Say hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Well, that's, that's a good start. I like it. That's wacky. That's a wacky start. Uh, we are the Word Bros. We are two writers. Uh, we've been writing comics. We'll get more into, I guess, the history of it all, um, kind of our history, but we've been writing comics for a while together. Uh, and we decided, hey, let's do a podcast because it would be fun to talk to other comic creators and some of our friends that we don't get to talk to as much as we'd like to. And we're going to put it on the internet and hopefully people will like it. So this is the first episode. So welcome to the Word Bros. And we should have a lot of fun here. That's the whole purpose of this. We're just trying to – we're two guys who like to have fun and be wacky. I, would, I mean, wacky is a, is, a, is a dangerous term to throw around. You don't want to say wacky on your first episode, Kevin, because then people are like, oh, this is like a morning zoo uh, podcast. I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> but, yeah, so we're just going to – we're going to talk processes. We're going to talk to creators, I mean, artists, colorists, letterers editors, other writers, uh, retailers. We have a pretty long list of people we want to talk to. So it should be kind of fun, man. I'm looking forward to doing it. And again, it's just a chance to kind of meet more people in the comics industry because believe it or not, the people that write those books are as cool as the characters that they write about, which is very fun. That was good, right? You like that? Yeah, or cooler. Yeah, some of them. Some of them, them not so much. (laughs) Some of them are less cool. Yeah, some of them are way less cool. I don't know. I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. I'm not going to put my name on it by any stretch of the imagination. That, guy, that Bob France is not as cool as Monty the Dinosaur. No, I mean, to be fair, he is the last living dinosaur. That's true. Uh, you know, and he's very cute and very fun. And, and neither of us are as cool as Elvis. So. No. No, we try really hard though, but that's the, that's the way it works. Um, let's, well, Kevin, I guess I'll just ask you your questions as you chug your beer with your giant beard. Um, <laughs> How did you how did you get into uh, into writing comics? Like, how did that kind of bird set for you? I mean, that was kind of a mistake, actually. Like, really? Uh, right. Yeah. Like, right. it was. A, it was a. I was tweeting at Matt Hawkins about how I liked his book. And now, who's Matt Hawkins? Matt Hawkins uh, is the C. I don't want to get it wrong, but I think he's the COO or 
chief operating officer or something like that of, of Top Cow. He's one of the big dogs. Over All right. There. All right. Fair enough. And I had been reading his book, Think Tank, because I found it at the library uh, at the time. I was dating this girl and me and her had, we both had children. So we brought our children to the library. And while we're in the library, of course, I was drawn to the graphic novel section. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this out. And, and the reason why I checked it out was like it said uh, on, on the cover, it said, uh, I almost felt very pretentiously. This book will make you smarter. But it wasn't bullshit. It was true. <laughs> the book had a bunch of little tidbits in the back and stuff. So the book it. made you smarter. Yeah, well, I mean, about what he was writing about, yeah, like I would say yes, definitely. Okay. Because he gave little uh, links in the back and everything of uh, what he was doing and where he got the idea from. So I, I really enjoyed that book. So I see. Think, I think a lot of people in the business dig, like a lot of people that are in, into comics more so than just reading the issues are into that process. If that makes sense, like how things work, how the idea came about. And, and that's part of the beauty, I think, hopefully, of this podcast that we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. So that's cool that you were kind of drawn to that right off the bat. You liked that part of the, the novel. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and so I said, hey, man, this is really cool. And he's like, you know, we're having a contest right now. And he was like, it, and then when I, he's like, you know, if you need any details, just ask. So then. So this was the top cow talent search thing that they do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, right. so uh, like I've told this story before, but I, basically it all boils down to I wrote a really long script, which you shouldn't do ever in comics. So I wrote like <laughs> a page script for a 22-page comic, which is ridiculous if you think about it. And the poor guy who writes Magdalena now had to read it, poor Ryan Cady. Um, and he didn't say anything bad, but then um, I, I told Matt what had happened, and he's like, I'll take a look at it. And he had said something nice like, well, I mean, the storytelling is not the problem. Well, and, it's really long. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. First of all, that sucks. That seventy-two pages, you asshole. Uh, and then second, it was uh, sort of like, um, like I mean, you've got the idea on how to tell a story, and that I can't teach you that. So, like, keep going and learn how to write a comic script, and you'll be doing good. So, well, that's that. I mean, that's pretty good. Your first shot, you know, like it's terrible. You know, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. People obviously listen to War Bros know about you and and forty Me? you what yeah like so so like forty one was your first comic right so yes um, I got into comics again I got into comics when I was a little kid uh, right around the time Tim Burton's Batman came out because I didn't have an older brother and my dad wasn't into comics so I just started reading it because of that movie uh, and then I fell out of it for a while and then I stopped drinking and I needed to spend money on stuff so I started reading comics again. And I had a couple friends, one of them who runs the Tidewater Comic Con now, Mike Federale. He was my first sober friend. Him and I were chatting one day. He was like, hey, do you have any ideas for uh, comic book characters? And I said, you know, it's weird because I certainly do. And that's when I started kind of flirting with the idea of writing comics. Him and I started writing uh, stuff together. And then I branched out on my own finally and did a book called 41. And uh, I made the, the classic rookie mistake, which I think everybody does to some extent. I wrote my, the first thing I ever wrote was a five issue arc of a story. And that's the rookie mistake. Like that's the big dumb thing that you shouldn't do when you're getting into comics. When you get into comics, start writing eight page shorts, six page shorts, uh, try to get in anthologies and stuff like that. Don't sit down and go, I'm going to write this classic masterpiece of 15 issues that's a <laughs> sprawling epic. 
You know, you can't it's do it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. I think all of us do it. Like the first thing that Federale and I were working on was like a 12 issue arc of like a superhero story. And it was crazy. Um, it was crazy big and it was crazy impossible to do. Uh, but yeah, that's what I did. I did a book called 41. It was a post-apocalyptic thing um, that I didn't. And the most interesting part about the book, uh, I never revealed because it was a post-apocalyptic thing and I didn't explain how the end of the world happened. And that was the first question that anybody asked me was, how did the world end? And I was like, uh, you'll have to find out later. And I just never got there. So, <laughs> did you not think of it yet? Or? No, I had the idea in my, I mean, I always knew what it was going to be. I just imagined getting there, but I just kind of ran out of steam. And I was like, you know what? I probably should have done the origin story of the world somewhere in it. But that was, again, my rookie mistake, you know? So, uh, and then I just- yeah, Otherwise it was good. Though. It was decent. Like it had yeah. some moments. I've always said, and, and you know, I've always said to people that if I go back and reread it, I hope I think it's garbage. Because if I, if I do, then I'm growing and I'm learning. And there are parts of it that I can still enjoy. There are parts of it that's kind of awkward and blocky and kind of weird. But I mean, overall, it's I. Um, the second arc I did with uh, Hoyt Silva, who we know, who we're probably going to talk to on this show. I met Hoyt at Heroes with a good friend of ours, Drew Moss, who'll probably be on this show too. I, I like that issue a little bit more. And then um, I just kind of went from there. Right. And, he, and here we are. Now, we, now we've been writing comics together, what, for, uh, for a year? A little bit over that. Here, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got to let my dog out. Hang on. You guys can't see this, but Bob's not wearing pants. Kind of offsetting. See, because we both lived in uh, Virginia Beach. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio now, and you live out in uh, Norwich, Virginia, which is past a little past Williamsburg. We lived in the same town, but we didn't hang out with the same folks, and we didn't meet each other until um, we met. We met briefly, like back, like in 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 the in your ninety six X days, and yeah. Then and then we kind of remet through a podcast I was doing with uh, Mike Knight uh, because a, a, a friend of mine, Blair uh, Riddle, had said, uh, hey, you know he writes comics now. And I said, oh, really? That's cool. And so um, I reached out to you for the podcast and was like, hey, you know, I heard you wrote this book, 41. You know, you want to come on this podcast? And you're like, sure. Yes. Yes, I do. Because I will talk about my books anywhere to anybody, any place, anytime, anywhere. Because you have to. That's part of the, na that's yeah. the nature of the beast. And uh, we we talked then, and and uh, that was fun, and uh, and then I didn't see you for like a year or so after that. Then we re met through uh, through Drew. Yeah, we met at uh, at a con uh, in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Uh, we met there. You accompanied Drew and another friend of ours uh, to the show. I met you there. And we, we just kind of hit it off instantly. Like we just kind of liked each other because we had similar, um, I guess, ideas about storytelling and similar ideas about, about, uh, about books and things of that nature. So we just kind of got along. Right. And then I don't know how it started. We just started talking about doing a book together. I don't know where or how it came about, but that, that um, book that we started talking about doing together turned into the uh, Elvis Adventures. Adventures. Yeah. yeah. And that's the first book we did together that came out last year. Um, through Loophole Comics, which is the thing that I do uh, with another guy named Mike Exner. And it's weird because I've, I've, like I said, when I first started doing comics, I tried to write them with a friend of mine. Uh, I've tried writing with people in the past to no avail, but for some reason you and I have kind of been able to get over that hump and to actually create books and actually make comics, which is cool. Our second book is coming out, you know, in the, in the next sure, couple of days. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and it's weird that we've been able to kind of get over that hump because you've even tried writing comics in the past with people and it can be right. rather difficult. No. Yeah. Cause it, I think a lot of, um, neither one of us, um, needs to have the best idea in the room. And I think that tends to be the downfall of, uh, of co-writing. Like one of the, one of the guys or, or gals involved in co-writing, uh, usually wants their ideas to stick. And, um, and to hell with your ideas or, or I, I believe that tends to be, you know, more of the common modicum of, uh, or modus operandi of writing fancy. Oh, and I yeah. think, and well, it also kind of, I, I think we work well in groups because for those of you, Kevin brought it up earlier. Uh, I was on a radio show for 10 years and it was like me and four other people. So I was kind of used to working in a creative environment and Kevin is a, is an ex rock star. <laughs> he was in a he was in a rock and roll band, and he was signed by uh, Sharon Osbourne, and they toured all over this country of Oz in a van playing shows everywhere. So, but I mean, if only we had Dusty Rhodes narrating it, that would have been the best. I mean, maybe you know, God rest his soul. But that's the thing, though. Like, so you've been able to work in a group through being in a band, uh, and you kind of learned that particular skill and I had that particular skill so it just kind of made sense and like you said to me it doesn't matter whose idea it is as no. long as it's as long as it's good and it's on the page and it gets done and the best story possible comes out of it it doesn't matter whose idea it is yeah it's really fun we work well together because yeah. like, you like you'll have a great idea and I'll go oh, that's a great idea or I'll have an great idea. oh that's a great idea like and then we just add to the great idea I'm, I'm not trying to pull away from your idea and try to pull the story a different direction you don't try and pull away from my great idea and pull the story a different direction you just add something to it to make it greater it's like uh it's like playing tennis yeah you know, you're just kind of volleying the ball back and forth you know much to the enjoyment of hopefully people reading and i mean like uh the elvis book that we did didn't get picked up by anybody but it's a damn good book i think it's fantastic um now are you published anywhere is that just quite do you have any credits dude because i know this is a credits game i do not i do not but you do well no you you have your uh, anthology book that got picked up right is is anybody no, picking I, that it up might, it might get uh it was being looked at by a publisher um i don't know if we should say who because yeah, I don't, yeah, you don't have to but you but you are in an anthology correct yes yeah i'm in the uh not forgotten anthology for writing the iron skull with art by ricardo lima and he's awesome colors by uh fred stressing who is we'll probably be talking to both of those guys on this podcast too so <laughs> sometime yeah probably and uh and it's lettered by sean greenleaf who also edit uh who edited it's uh, our stuff now yes Sean's um, a good dude. Guy, edit, edits and, and a letterer. He's a he's an awesome dude, and um, and you know, for the most part, like uh, it was pretty pretty easy to write. So I mean, it was one of those things where Ricardo's like, "I want to draw this stuff," and I said, "Okay, let me find a story that has all this stuff in it." And it basically was like Sugar Skulls, uh, a Day of the Dead celebration. I want a hero who's uh, Latinx, uh, Latino. Uh, I don't care if it's male or female. He said, "I don't care." Um, and he had this idea for this uh, Aztec character, which was cool. Like they had like in the old public domain. And I was like, oh, she's pretty cool. I dig her. Like, what would you want to do with her? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't know either. So like, let me, I, I was stewing on this character. And I was like, what do you think of this dude? He, he's a white guy in the old public domain, but we don't have to make him white. Like for what I have an idea for, he can be uh, a Latino guy. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, like, let me, I flush it out, so I did, and uh, you know the rest of it. magic. It's yeah, magic. So, 
Well, see, I don't want to just breeze over this because I think it's an important step that you made. And I think it's, it's an important step that most people who are starting out doing comics don't understand. You talked to an artist who you didn't know, who you had no prior relationship with. And the first question you asked him was, hey, what do you want to draw? Right, and I think that's very that that's a that's a very key component of kind of building a great relationship with with another creative person is not just because you can't treat your artist, you can't treat your colorist, you can't treat your letterer if you're a writer, you can't treat them like an employee. They are they are your creative partner through this kind of yeah. as well as you are like 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 we're all a team in in comics, and that's the way I, like the way that we both see it. Like we both see everybody as an, a vital team member. So um. So it's cool that you went to this dude who, again, who you didn't know and said, hey, what do you want to draw? Because that instantly kind of gets him more involved in the process. So then he, then he feels like an equal partner. So then you're building a, a good relationship with this person. I think that's, that's really smart and, and really uh, kind of astute of you to do so early on in your career. I read an interview with uh, Fabian Rangel Jr. in uh, his book, Helena Crash, that came out. And he was saying like, he doesn't even start writing a story until he has an artist that he wants to work with that he's agreed to work with. So that's playing to both of their strengths, which is, you know, again, it's very smart. It's smart. Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, I did the same thing with Oathbound, which we've covered Oathbound uh, with Paul Gorey on, on several podcasts already. Like uh, Adrian has issues. Yeah, but nobody might know that here. So you wrote a Western, right? Oathbound's yeah. a Western, like a fantasy Oathbound. Western. Oathbound, it's a fantasy Western. And it was the same sort of thing. Like Paul basically said, Hey, we should do something together. I looked at his art and was like, Hey man, as a writer, like artists never come to you and be like, let's, let's, let's do something. And I was like, all right, like, what are you trying to do? And he was like, well, I want to do something Western. And that's all he said. And I was like, which is weird because that's normally the kiss of death for comics is because, well, I mean, the industry, so do I, like, don't get me wrong. Like Westerns are amazing on film, but even in film, they don't, you don't really see them as much as you used to. And in comics, it's just kind of one of those things that, never happens like there's not a west name a western book on the shelves right now um there's one on the shelves right now from uh from ben blacker and ben acker there's yeah. one you know what yeah. i'm saying like there's one uh th that's the big reputation for westerns and comics they don't really sell anymore so that's cool that that you just wanted to do a western so you did it that's awesome yeah, because I was like, I don't care what sells. I mean, I just want to do – I was like – and if we do just – he wanted to do just a straight spaghetti western. And I was like, ah, like – and this goes back to, like, other podcasts again. But I basically said, you know, if we just do a straight western, no one's going to buy it. Just exactly what you said. Yeah. Like, I said, no one's going to buy that. And they're going to have, like, dudes that are, like, twice our age coming up to the booth and buying the, buying comics, you know. And – it'll be like 60 year old dudes that, that we can't relate to. It can't really like, Oh, I thought you were a much older dude because you wrote a rest Western. I, I've given us uh, respect. We don't deserve or whatever. Oh, or, or quite the opposite. No one buying it at all. So I said, why don't we just combine it with fantasy? Because I feel like that's more of a mixed bag. For yeah. People. Which like is a good idea. You, you appeal to a broader fan base. And so it's, so it's like a D and D Western is what you're saying. Right. Well, because as a D and D player, it's like, it was an idea I had for, for a D and D game. Uh, back when they first did D&D 3.5, they had what was called the OGL, the Open Gaming License. Um, and when they did the 3.5 thing, I started working on like a, a background for a Western world um, for D&D. For &D. And I thought that that would be a neat kind of setting, but it would still be kind of like, you kind of you kind of have to set it in America because like um, 
you know, the American America's, West. America's great. That's why, because America's <laughs> awesome. No, well, you can, well, the American West. I mean, you can't have like the American West in like, uh, like Faerun, you know, like Forgotten Realms. You can't. Yeah. It's kind of weird. So I was like, well, it's got to be set in America. So it's got to be in America. In America. Hell yeah. See, it's weird too, because 40, I, I envision 41 is like part post apocalyptic. Po, like part western because i've always kind of viewed uh apocalypse like post-apocalyptic films kind of had that 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 western vibe to it like the the large land the large barren landscapes and shit like that kind of like the 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 lone rider if you will like the, the oh, band yeah. the band like of mad people max yeah mad max to me is kind of a western it like is it's, it's got I that vibe to it. dog with, have you ever seen that movie with don yes john? with don johnson like, that's a great film much. yeah hang on <laughs> Bob still has no pants on, guys. He doesn't realize I'm telling you that he has no pants on. Next time, say four bros. Sorry, they're going out in shifts. Yeah, but yeah, the boy with his, the boy and his dog is a, is a is a great post apocalyptic film. Yeah, I agree. It's one of the ones that doesn't get a lot of play either. Another one I really like that's more sports movie, but still has a kind of Western feel to it. Have you ever seen the blood of heroes with Rutger Hauer? No, I, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not really versed in Rutger Hauer. Like I know him from <laughs> blind fury and I know, and I know him from um, the replicants with uh, blade runner. And that's yeah. kind of the extent of my run. Yeah. It's I'm not the gonna, blood of heroes. And it's I'm like, not a, gonna, I'm not going to front. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. Again, blind fury. Like I probably would. You have Amazon Prime, right? I do. Look it up, and it'd be like three bucks to rent. It would be like three. It's totally worth three dollars. It's a no, no, no. I'll see if it's at the library. <laughs> I don't think so. It's probably it's kind of a, a lesser known movie. Uh, they, I can find that shit on tape, son. <laughs> on VHS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's basically like like he's like the head of the sports. They're like a roving band of sports people in the in the. They, they're looking for this thing called a, a jugger, which is like someone who runs this dog skull across a field. And it's like a dog skull. You have to like put it down on the other. <laughs> it's yeah. really, really crazy. It's like it's like post-apocalyptic rugby. That's weird. <laughs> lie, that's kind of weird. But it's uh, good. I mean, it's it sounds good. cool. <laughs> and then and then my comic book career kind of changed once I had kids because when I lived in Virginia, I was a married guy with no kids and a pretty cool gig. Then I lost my pretty cool gig and became a really bad insurance salesman. And then uh, we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and I became a stay-at-home father. And I still had an interest in writing comics. I still wanted to do comics. So I said, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to do a book that my kid could read. And so I did. Uh, I did a book called Mind of the Dinosaur. It was my daughter's fourth birthday present. Um, did you come up with it with your daughter yeah i did we we used to actually we actually came up with the book uh real quick Uh, we were at the cincinnati museum center in cincinnati ohio which is the justice which is the hall of justice for the from the old cartoon for the justice league meanwhile yes (laughs) yeah we were at that building so we were leaving and they had a dinosaur exhibit my daughter told me hey daddy tell me a story about a dinosaur and i just made up monty kind of on the spot and it kind of goes from there the good story yeah i did and you know i I shipped it around uh not only press had a had a thing at the time for uh open pitches and i pitched it there and they didn't take it but then action lab entertainment took it and uh, i became a professional comic book writer that's right yay me that's why i tagged up with you (laughs) yeah well i mean you have to bro because i mean like you know i'm a shooting star man you gotta catch you gotta catch me when you can baby you gotta you gotta throw your rope around this 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 thing and just ride it out to the end you know (laughs) 
but yeah, so that's my public. Actually, I have another published credit uh, in a in a book, book in a book from Stash Publishing for Out, Out of the, the Blue. Blue. Yeah, I have a I have a story in that too. And with Mike Exner. Yeah, with Mike Exner. That's the extent of my uh, my credits. But then you know we're we're working, man. We're trying to get more stuff done. We're trying to figure stuff out. And like Kevin said, we kind of met. We met when we were both younger and drunk and I was kind of a dick to Kevin apparently at the time, which is cool. And then, um, we met, then we met, yes, I was just a drunk idiot for a really long time. Uh, well, no, I mean, okay, wait, in, in Bob's defense now, now that I know the whole story, like back then I didn't know what was going on, but now like I, I can get why he did it. He, he, he thought people were leeching off of his radio partner because people tended to do that. Yeah. I knew when I met this dude, like, he was at an alternative station and we were kind of more like metal. You were, uh, you were like a new metal band. Didn't they try to oh, package no, you as like a new metal? metal? Cause we weren't really new metal. We were kind of like, um, if you ever heard, uh, kill switch engage, uh-huh. Kill switch engage before there was a kill switch engage. Oh, so you're metal. saying, you're saying they aped you son. <laughs> you saying no, no, kill no, switch? No, yeah, no, you can say it, bro. I'm cool. With it. They were probably doing it before we were, we, it just happened to be. Nah, that. So that's not what you said. You said they was aping you. <laughs> <laughs> I can edit it out, but I'm not going to. That, that they wasn't going to play us on 96X, but Mike was just a really nice guy. And I kept, I never pressured him to play the CD or anything. We would just hang out and like drink. And so he introduced me to Bobby. Bobby's like, yeah, whatever. I was a total, well, cause to be fair, I was in, I was really drunk for a really long time. Uh, I'm surprised anyone liked me and I'm surprised I didn't get beat up more. Um, <laughs> But that's the God's honest truth. But then uh, we met, like you said, we met again through Drew, and then we just kind of hit it off, and then we started writing comics together. And like I said, yeah, the we first started laughing and joking. We had the same kind of sense of humor, so we kept mm-hmm. on laughing and joking at the same stuff. And uh, Bob, Bobby, if, if you know Bobby, you know that he'll if he likes you, he likes to pick on you. So he, he was relentless that entire weekend. I'm a, I'm a bully. I was very nice. I'm always very nice. No, you I was just I was just happy to be seeing other human beings because we were living in Cincinnati. I didn't know anybody at the time and i drove all the way to altoona to kick it with a bunch of dudes i love and uh, it was a really great time like that that show was a grind it was tough um it was a long show it was, it was a, a three, tough crowd like, it was I a three know. it was a, it was a three-day show man that thing was a grind i mean and it's they were they were like 12 hour days <laughs> i was gonna say it was like it was like working my day job like, yeah like the what that friday ran from 2 to 9 p.m murderous. 9 p.m in altoona pennsylvania there ain't jack shit going on <laughs> In Altoona, Pennsylvania at nine o'clock. If, if we didn't have each other to joke around and laugh, I don't think anybody would have made it. Oh no. We all would have died in Altoona. We would have just taken our own lives. Yes. <laughs> um, but but yeah. that's, but that relationship, it was like, it was like, nah, bro. We forged a friendship, a brotherhood, if you will. And we came out, you know, better. And now we're writing books. And, you know, we, like I said, our second book, Full Moon Fredo is coming out. Um, well, you, you just said it wrong. Yeah, proof. I mean, I got the I got the confirmation from the publisher. I mean, from the the printers that will have the the proof here in the next couple of days. So we're just we're hustling, man. We got projects all over the place. We got seven or eight projects we're working on. We're we're spinning plates, but not in a negative connotation. People always take that as a negative thing, like, oh, we got so many irons in the fire. We're spinning all these plates. No, we're just we're just busy, and we can get twice the work done because there's two of us, which is kind of rad. Well, and we also figure out what we're going to do next and then focus everything on that until that one's done. And then we're trying to figure out which other one we're trying to do, because uh, I would say that it was kind of weird because when we started doing Elvis and we started pitching stuff back and forth, um, it just got better and better between the both of us with that. And then we just started 
hey, you want to work on another book together? Sure. Like, and then we just start doing another idea. And then now that just seems to my default. Whenever I have an idea, I'm like, I'm going to call Bob. <laughs> like, what do you mean about this? And vice versa. So it's well, why of- not, man? I mean, it's, it's nice to have someone that you can kind of flesh an idea out with. But in our case, like, we just don't flesh it out. We just kind of go with it and just say, fuck it, man. Let's just, let's just be word bros. And here we are. <laughs> We've got, we got Full Moon Fredo, which is coming out, which is kind of like an all ages uh, like I guess horror kind of thing. I guess yeah, it's, ca- it's kind of like a like a like an old school Hanna Barbera. Yeah, it's horror like, in the sense it's it's horror in the sense the way Scooby Doo is horror. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I like it's a book for kids um, because I hadn't done one, and so when we were talking about it, I was like, we should do an all ages book because Elvis was more PG thirteen than it was PG. Shit, I'll sell that book to anybody. I don't give a shit how old you are. I'm selling you that thing. <laughs> the Elvis book is yeah. great, though. I dig it. It's good. Um, People dig it. I mean, it's Elvis fighting a giant banana. You know, it's 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 fun. The Mr. Kaiju banana. Who yeah. Yes, it's it's really great. It, it blends everything that I've always loved. And the best thing about it is, I love, well, the thing I love most about that book is when people want to read it right there at the table and then you see them giggling. Uh, the worst is when, when like happened in West Virginia where there that girl sat there and she read the entire book, giggled a whole bunch, put the book down and just walked off. And eh, like, you know, she got what she, she got what she wanted. <laughs> she got a couple laughs out of it. I'm just happy somebody read it, you know? But yeah. So we've got, we've, we've got Elvis, uh, the Elvis adventures, which is available on comiXology. You can pick it up there. If you're interested, if you're listening to this, you don't know, you can pick up that there. You can pick up Oathbound on comiXology too. Uh, Monty, the, Monty. Yeah, Monty the Dinosaur is on comiXology and the trade is in bookstores all over the country, which is pretty rad. And it's from Barnes and Noble. Dude, you can get that shit. Legit. Yeah, no, dude, this is it. This is it. This is the panty dropper. You can get it There's on- There's a panty dropper in comics? Yes. You can get my book at target.com. Like even my mom was impressed about that. She, she didn't, my mom didn't care that I wrote a comic book. She was just impressed that she could buy it at target. Like That's what was it for her. Oh, Bobby, you can buy your book at target. That's so amazing. I was like, it's target.com, but still target.com. Wow. So yeah, it's great. I love it. That's my mom's. That's my mom voice and my Alfredo Torres voice. Who's a real guy. Who's the main character of full moon Fredo and the full moon Fredo book is cool too i mean because it had a couple different kind of uh kind of births and rebirths because the original full moon fredo story wasn't what it is now it was about a horror it was about a horror movie host and some kids yeah and then what ended up happening was we uh well uh, the initial idea that we had was uh it came from a show bobby always watches and it gave me an idea one day and i said hey man what if we did like because he loves this guy that that he watches over there on me tv uh spinguli it's the best Bobby loves Fenguli. So he kept on talking about Fenguli and I was like, what if, what if we, what if we did this dude and he is kind of like, uh, like, like a Fenguli, but he was like, uh, like a werewolf or whatever. And, and these kids watch him all the time and watch the old horror movies, but then they start to believe like their, uh, what was it? Their math teacher or their history teacher. So one of their teachers is, a, is regardless, uh, is, is a vampire. Yes. And, um, and so they go to the horror movie host, kind of like Fright Night, but for kids. Yeah. So, and he was like, oh, that's really cool. So the more we started to flesh it out, like we were both back and forth with it, coming up with cool ideas. And um, the first the first downturn was we were like, well, we should kind of model the vampire guy after Bowie. And then we should model the, uh, yeah, that was fun. the good guy after Alan, Alan Rickman and do this. Well, the first show that that wasn't what we were supposed to do from the universe was 
both Bowie and Rickman passed away right yeah. away. Uh, and we've kind of felt at fault for that. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, that's, I mean, they lived long and happy lives. I'm not taking, I'm not going to, I'm not going to carry that around. I got to no, know. It, like it, it was just kind of like, Oh man, maybe that's our fault. And then no, uh, I, the pro- part of the problem too, is that I think that pe- a lot of people run into this and, and this is something that can be a hindrance to you, but it shouldn't. Uh, we did a little bit of research and there were a lot of books with right. a lot of kids that took place in a lot of schools and one of their teachers was a monster of some sort. And we just didn't want to get kind of lumped in because part of it that you have to do is you have to see what publishers are publishing and you can't be something that they're already doing because then that publisher is not going to pick up your book right. because they're going to go, Oh, well we've got a book like this, so we don't need yours. So, you know, we didn't let the idea stop that. I have a whole script of Full Moon Fredo 1 sitting on my computer, the first Full Moon Fredo with the teenagers and all that jazz that no one will ever see because it's just, it's been done kind of. You know, we yeah, had like to, if we get to do, if we get to do like a Full Moon Fredo. I would still love to do, I would still love to do the horror movie host thing because my idea was a horror movie host who hunts monsters. That's what I wanted to do. And then it just kind of morphed in. And that's the cool part about working with somebody else because I right. had this idea that was very kind of simple. And then we kind of just kept building it up like a house. You know, we just, we get, kept adding it, extra rooms and, you know, another bathroom and a garage. And we a had all these really room. cool ideas for scenes and stuff like that. So it was really cool like some of the scenes we were coming up with for that that would have been really cool but i mean unfortunately you know like we said there there's there's a zeitgeist too many books there's too many books like that so we didn't let our idea stop there we just kind of morphed it into something else and here we are yeah that was that was all you i won't lie because like i was like oh i was kind of down about it and he goes well that that doesn't have to stop us we're talking monkeys (laughs) (laughs) like that's all he had to say really and it sells everybody on the book we we have a talking monkey named professor worthington zibbles yes worthington worthington zibbles is probably the best name i've ever heard (laughs) it's a neighborhood in columbus my friend lives in worthington i was like that's the bet every time i go to his house i say oh we're in worthington so i just figured it's a good snooty name i mean the monkey the monkey has to talk like that yes very uppity and we found a, a great artist on Twitter, uh, which was which was kind of cool. I was on Twitter, and that's and that's another question people ask me: Where do you meet artists? Blah blah blah. I don't understand. Go to cons, Deviant Art, uh, yeah. digital webbing, and Twitter. I saw you know you just kind of walk around on Twitter and see what's shaking. And I I saw this artwork by a young lady named Angela Spreacher, and I was just blown away by it. I was like, dude, your art is amazing. I would love to do something with you. And she was like, cool, let's do it. And then. Here we are. We got a yeah. book. And all I said after that was talking monkeys. And she was like, yeah. And I mean, she draws the best talking monkey. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now we've got this book. We're trying to pitch it around. We got a couple people looking at it, which would be kind of rad if somebody picked it up, which would be sweet. And then we can just keep going. We're also working on a Kung Fu book. Yeah. Uh, Legend with- of the Master. Yeah, the legend. No, the legend of what is it? The, what is it called? Legend of the Master. No, no, it's Legend of the Fallen Master. Legend of the Fallen. Yeah, Master. Legend of the Fallen Master, which is a book that Kevin and I are working on with uh, uh with the, the dude he did. Fall. Yeah, with the guy he did Iron Skull with. Because we had a nice rapport, so I was like, he was like, I want to do another book, and I was like, okay, let me talk Let's about. See. It. And the thing is, when you say that to one of us, when you say, "Hey, I want to do another book." You are saying that to the wrong people because we will get stuff done. Like we we're not find something for you to draw. We're not dudes that are going to kind of, you know, we're not the guy that comes up to your table at a con and goes, Hey, I got an idea for a comic book. And they just lay this crazy shit out in front of you. We, when we say like, Hey, we're going to do something. It is going to get accomplished. And here we are. 
right? And then he's already started that. And uh, we've already got about four pages back on that. And it looks great so far. Um, and that story is more of like, um, I wanted to do kind of a Shaw Brothers Kung Fu thing. Yeah. And so we were really stoked about doing that um, because we wanted to do like our own Shaw Brothers, but we're bros. Uh, it's a word bros production. Yes, it's a word bros production. No, not a Shaw bros. The logo is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we're like, uh, so like, we're going to do this, this thing about this badass Kung Fu chick. And then we had to figure out what we we're going to do with that. And so we started talking it out and then we started shooting outlines back and forth. And then he changed something or I changed something we'd add to it. And then we finally come up with this final outline and, um, and how, how that all comes to be. And then, and, and of course, when you're talking about me, there's gotta be talking animals because <laughs> I love talking there. So there's talking animals in this thing. Cause that's what I like. Well, they're more anthropomorphic than yeah. in other books. Um, they're more, uh, well, our, our kind of idea for that was kind of like, uh, like what, what we wanted to do was kind of make it like a D and D kind of fantasy realm where there's like, where the majority of things are more, have a more Eastern flavor. Yeah. So, um, so Ricardo was like, what if I combined like the, like, like Chinese, um, Japanese and like Mongolian stuff to make it like one, like specific world blend where, wherein there's like, you know, the primary inhabitants of the, of the land would appear like Asian yeah. or, or Eastern. Um, so we were like, yeah, that'd, that'd be awesome. So we started working on that and then we had ideas to make like our own basic, like a uh, Chinese Zodiac where we would have all these, uh, anthropomorphic animals be, part of like the mythology of the land we're so, doing it we got and, it all baby. happening yeah, yeah. So it's part of the world building there which like uh, and that's something else we can go into that may be uh, beginning beginning combo like um one thing that that we both can say we've noticed from other people we know that write and other things is like uh don't let yourself get uh, overwhelmed by the size of a world like when you're trying to world build start small start in a local area build a small um I would say build build your world small at first, like make it a city or something like that, and then yeah. bring it out from there. Don't don't worry about all the specifics of building an entire world because that'll all come as you start to make that city and write about the stuff that goes on in that city. You'll start to branch out and be like, well, what if the rest of the world was like this? You know, and so, I mean, and, and world building is cool, but it's also character. Well, it's also time consuming too. You like you don't want to like you don't want to build a whole world if you're just writing five stories. And, yeah. Like, yeah, know, yeah, and and again, your world can be can be massive, but if your characters aren't awesome, if your characters aren't believable, if your characters aren't motivated, if your characters aren't uh, aren't aren't suitable, then your book's not going to be suitable. So it's it's kind of character. It's 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 a character thing. It's character driven. That's what that's why people love Peter Parker. They love the character, and that's why people get pissed off when you change Peter Parker too much <laughs> because they love that you know, that little, you know, 17 year old high school kid who, who's down on his luck and never gets what he wants, but Hey man, he can beat up a guy with metal arms. Well, I you mean, know? I'm totally fine with them changing him cause he has to grow, but like, that's what, that's a, but you know, my point is, I mean, they want to yeah. see him grow because that's what he was into a man, my son, you know, it's character, man. It's, you know, I don't remember all the great Spider-Man stories, but I remember Peter. I remember his relationships. You know, I remember when he got married to fucking what's her face. And when they took it away for no real reason, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's <laughs> kind of one of those things, man. But you know, this is uh this is our podcast. This is the word bros podcast. We are the word bros, Kevin Cuff and Bob Fr- I don't really know 
where we're kind of going or how we're going to end this thing. We're just kind of rambling on and on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it just works, you know, like you just got to do it. That's the first thing when people ask me like, how, how did you get into comics? They, well, I just did the work. You, well, it's kind of weird because I can say that, uh, that honestly, like if, there were not other like people that did comics living in this area. I, I don't know how like I would have went about things. Cause um, one of the big things that, that he mentioned, like we went, I went to when we met at a con together was through a mutual friend, Drew, um, Drew Moss, who is an artist. Um, and the only reason why we met was because the guy who I buy comics from Richard Trinkle, who's an amazing human being uh, was like, you know, well, you say you want to do comics. And I said, yeah. He's like, do you know that there's comic artists living here? You got Eric Donovan, you got Drew Moss. I said, no, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, you should meet these guys and like start to pitch them your ideas because those guys have done pro things. You have a yeah. good idea. You get a pro guy on your book. You're more likely to get your book seen by people. Which, which is true. It is. So, uh, so I was like, okay. And he's like, here's stuff Drew did. He, he did this book here, pick up this colonized. So he sold me on the colonized. And, and to this day, it's still my favorite thing that Drew's ever done. So you just stalked him day and night until uh, I did. On he Twitter, became I your pal. He, he's like, man, if you don't stop following me around, offering me dirty sex favors in comic book shops. <laughs> well, that's the, I mean, yeah, that's how it works. So, um, then, then I'll just be your friend if you stop doing that. I said, okay, deal. No, no. Um, in all honesty, what happened was, uh, I said, you that's know, not what happened. That's not the real. No. Okay. I just made that up. It sounds. It sounds better though. Should works. I not tell the real story? I should I leave it to like mythology? Like just yeah, just just no. Leave, <laughs> you can tell the story, so. <laughs> dumbass. So uh, so like he had said before, like Bobby had said before, I was doing uh, Oathbound, and so I was like, hey, like I wanted to ask you to do a cover, but I wasn't quite sure how to ask. He goes, well, just ask me to do a cover. I was like, would you do a cover? And he goes, sure. And then he told me the price, and I was like, all right, man, I'll have that to you on Monday. And this was like on a on a Thursday or a Wednesday, I believe. And he was like, all right, cool. And so I said, like, cool. And so I, on Monday, I get it and I message him on Facebook and I'm like, hey, man, I got the money. And he was like, all right, I'll see it here in the villains. The first thing he says to me when I see him, he's like, I got to go because I got to pick up my son, but I know you're serious now. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, most people, I tell them a the price and they go, this is what I'll charge you. And then they don't ever get back to me. Yes. That it would be Monday and it's Monday and you did it. And it well, that's the thing. I mean, that, and that, that, that goes with having the drive and the kind of wherewithal to finish what you're starting. And I think a lot of people that get into comics, uh, they don't, they don't realize that you have to put the work in. Like it's that's cool. The first step really. Yeah, finish it, what you start. yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta finish. Because it you doesn't can, matter if somebody's going to publish it or not, because you can always kickstart it. There's other ways to get your stuff out there. Which is what you did to, to right. a great success. I mean, your book, Oathbound, had, what, an $8,000 Kickstarter? Man, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy successful. I mean, it is. It's nuts. I mean, I ran two successful Kickstarters uh, for comics, but that was in the – the first one I ran was in the infancy of Kickstarter – and God damn, I made so many mistakes on that. And that's the thing. Like, I think that's what part of this podcast can be too. It's just like, dude, don't do this. Don't yeah. do this. Uh, so we could, but yeah, then I ran another Kickstarter for Monty, which I took all the lessons I've kind of learned from my first Kickstarter and ran the most kind of concise and simple Kickstarter campaign in the entire world. And it was done. And, and yeah, so, but that's a way to get seen because, you know, you run an $8,000 Kickstarter, people in the business are going to go, Hey, what's this guy doing? 
you know, what's this dude up to? How's he, how's he working that out? And I think to, and to your benefit, you know, I think that's awesome. Well, on, on advice, like saying that I would say to people who see that Kickstarter, never do more than one book again. Like, like, unless you know, unless they're all already done or you got most of the work done, don't do two. Don't plan to do two. Like try and do one at a time. Or, do a, or, you're, or you're doing a full graphic novel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. you're going to do the whole thing, the whole story, and then that's why you're going to do it. And and if you get enough people to back you to do that, that's great. But uh, like I would say that because life got in the way for me and then having to explain that to Kickstarter backers sometimes is difficult because you're Well, like, I mean, well, to be fair, the last thing you want to do too is if, is if Kickstarter is going to be part of your comic book making plan, like our plan is to kind of – I don't, I don't really know what our plan is. We split the cost, which helps. But if Kickstarter yeah. is going to be part of your idea and part of your plan, the way you make comics, the last thing you want to do is burn your Kickstarter audience because they're not going to back your shit again. Right. Or at least explain to them what's going on. Because most people will understand as long as you're not like <sighs> you're late. Because I have a few that I backed that I still haven't gotten before. Shit, tell me about it. It's like, dude, I'm never going to back anything you do again, man. Like, Ooh, I, if, if it's like a wants. year late, I can understand like five months, you know, four months. I can wait. Like, if it's that good of a book, there's one I backed like last year and he still didn't get the book out. And he, he posted every now and then, but I wouldn't say he didn't. I, and I, like, I wouldn't say the guy didn't post enough. I would say like, he posted enough updates, but they were so sporadic that by the time he posted it, I was already kind of angsty about what yeah. had already happened. And and you can't do that. So, like, what I tried to do was get ahead of it and say in December, hey, look, like, here's what happened. This is what happened to, like, me and my life. And I, I don't want to, like, give specifics. But if you are if you back the book and you want specifics, hey, man, message me and I'll give you the specifics. That way, like, if I you can rest your head knowing that I'm not sitting here bullshitting you because we're late. That's not – that's yeah. not – because the last thing, but again, the because the last thing you want to do, communication is key. If you're going to be late, make sure you tell everybody, and then uh, just make sure you get your shit done because it can really kind of screw you. It can yeah, and that's you. what we tried to show. Like on, like if you are a backer of Wolfbound, you listen to this. Like that's why we try to show that the art pages are getting done and stuff because it's going to happen. It, it, it it's going to get done. It's not that's not the problem. What the problem was was like I had a personal family stuff come up where. Um, my days got way longer. It's okay. Um, you don't have to go into specifics. No, I wasn't going to. I was just going to say my days got way longer. So it, it didn't leave me the time that I needed to um, finish. The, the script had been started but not finished. Mm-hmm. So um, I would basically say don't ever plan to do more than one book unless you're already – like if the script was already <laughs> done, I should, I, that would have been fine. But Get it done, sucker. Yeah, well, the script's yeah. done now. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, And there's some people that don't care. They just – they gave you oh, money. I was really worried. I was really you know. Worried. I was like, oh, this sucks because I feel bad because I didn't, I don't want to take anybody's money that I didn't like earn their money from. So the good thing about it is the people that mostly backed or mostly backed one book and most of the Kickstarters fulfilled. There's only like sixty people waiting on book the second book, so that's nice. like, that's not that bad. I, I, so I bad, but you know. Well, let's let's wrap this up uh, in a way. So let's say let's say you're at a show and you're sitting at a table. Okay. And you're selling your comic and somebody comes up to you and says, Hey man, like uh, I want to make comics. What's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Oh, that's a good question. Thanks. Um, finish what you start would be, what would be the, would be the, the main thing. Like if you're going to start doing it, don't, you can't half at, there is no half in comics. That's what yes, that's true. Either go in all the way and be in it and do it or don't do it at all. Cause once you get in, 
it's kind of addictive. Like, and it's fun as shit. It is fun. It's great. Like, it's good. You get to meet cool people. Like Bob is great. I would have never met Bob if I if I was. Yeah, that guy's awesome. Who me? Yeah, you. Um, (laughs) It wasn't for comics. I wouldn't know Bob. I wouldn't know Drew. I wouldn't know Paul. I wouldn't know uh sean if it wasn't for comics i wouldn't know half the people in my life right now so yeah tell me about it go all the way in you know yeah it's not gonna hurt anything and and comics is is whether the creators or uh or people behind the scenes like i've never met anyone in comics who is just like a straight up dick like you know like there was people who are friendlier than others but you have to realize that um bobby and i are extroverts so it's a little bit easier for us but there's people out there that are introverts that make comics and you have to like, and I would say more people are introverted than extroverted. So um, a lot of these creators aren't being like, uh, like off putting to you. They just, they're just not comfortable in social situations. And some, and I think some of them too, uh, they kind of run into uh, what do you want? Like, what do you want me to do for you? And uh, cause unfortunately that's, that's the way people look at, others more successful than them. So they're guarded to some extent. Like, hey man, like, I'm not going to help you get a job. I'm not going to do something for you. I'm not going to, you know. I, I kinda, be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think some of that, I think there is kind of some of, some of a guarded sense with some of these cats too, which is completely understandable. Because I mean, I know when I worked in radio, that's why I was kind of a dick to you when we first met. Because I just right. thought you were trying to buddy up to get something, you know, for yourself. And that's the way. <laughs> yeah, well, you are. And that's why it's it's cool, you know. But it does happen. And so people do kind of get like, hey man, you know, fuck you. I'm not helping you out. I don't, I don't even know you. Like, yeah, but you know? that, that makes sense. What would, what would your one piece of advice be to To return your question. Um, I would, yes, if you've never done anything before and you wanted to make comics, I would tell you to do shorts. Yeah, that's a good, good piece of advice. I would tell you to write six, eight-page stories, get a couple of them made, and then do a book of shorts because some artists will work cheaper to do shorts because there's no commitment. It's hard to keep an artist for, you know, a five or six arc book because they're going to go where more money is and, 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 and rightfully so. I mean, hell with 41, I had four issues. I had what three artists. I had five issues, had three artists. They kind of bounce around. So I would say do shorts and, uh, um, you know, try to, try to get it done that way. Five, five page stories, eight page stories, seven page stories, just so you can tell us, just so you can work on telling a story from beginning, middle and end. So you can get it done. You can show someone that you can finish something, you know? Also to see if you like it. Cause there might be like, you don't want to jump all in like we did. And, and like Bob did with 41 and I did with Oathbound and, and plan out this like epic, like um, 15 uh, issue five page, you know, five, not page five, uh, story arc, uh, to each three arcs, you know, thing. And then go, dude, there's no way this is ever going to like get finished. And that's going to be hard to finish. But like at this time, like I'm still doing it with Oathbound because I think we can finish it. And, um, but that's a real way to kind of kill your momentum too, is to, to, to have this giant story and then kind of go like, man, this thing is never going to get done. Yeah, I mean, like, wow, that, that really might be stinks. daunting. Like, at, at times I find it daunting, but I will say this. Like, here's the one cool thing about it. Like, I'll jump off of Oathbound, and then we jump on something else. Yeah, but, well, I'm I'll just saying some so. people that are starting out don't have that luxury. You well, know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I'm – keep it short. Keep it simple. Eight-page stories, ten-page stories. You know, don't do anything too long. Get in and get out and kind of be done with it, you know, so you can – 
So and it seems to be what the market wants. So like, and that's another thing we're going to cover here on Board Bros is we're going to talk to people that are in like the comics industry, like the brick and mortars and stuff. So you guys get a feel for like, if you're listening to this pod, you obviously like comics and we want to give you more than just a, the, a creator look at comics. We're going to give you a look from the creator side, a look from the business side. So you get a, a whole well-rounded view yes. of, uh, of comics. So you, so you understand what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole whole point why we started doing this is because you know we figured you know why not talk to other people to do comics because not only can can the audience learn something but but we're still learning as we go along as creators so we'll pick up something too because there might be something that somebody else has in their toolbox that we can pick up and go hey that's a that's a really sharp idea we should do that yeah and that helps so. you write you write player you write so, so I guess that's, that's the, I guess it's the first episode. That is, it feels good. It does. It's nice. Uh, next week, we're going to try to do this once a week. Uh, I think we're going to try to have Drew Moss on. He is a friend of ours. And again, the first couple episodes of this will just be us talking to our friends. So be prepared, but that's cool though. Cause then we can kind of work the kinks out if it is. <laughs> so we're, we're kind of going. But yeah, man. I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, hope you liked the pod. I uh, hope you, you know, hope you check out some of our books where they're on comicsology. Ozbound. Or you can check out Bobby's other pod. He's got another pod. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that, though. Um, <laughs> just read the comics. That's what we're, that's what we're read, doing read here. Read the comics, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get Elvis on Comicsology and then uh, post up on the Word Bro page how much you love it. You'd be like, wow, these guys are maniacs. What a bunch of dummies. <laughs> but again, the Elvis book works. I mean, I think we learned our lesson there, too. The Elvis book works because it was uh, a series that we had planned, but the first <laughs> issue is a one-shot which yeah, is the beauty of that. Yeah. The, we did, you know, 28 pages of one shot. Here it is. Boom. Done. Complete. Get in, get sto- yep. Complete story. Finished. Done. Nice. And, and if we had a, another part to that in case it got picked up, but if it didn't, the whole purpose was like, if we get this picked up, then we'll go more with it. It's on we the table. Fun. Yep. Um, but if not, it, it stands alone. Yeah. Why is that's why the, it says the end with a question mark. Whoa! You never know. You never know. You never know. But we so we even learned a lesson on that one. We 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 uh, we said, hey, this is probably the best way to do this, and it is because we're. <laughs> so there you go. So thank you for listening. I will hope you come back. Um, this is the Word Bros podcast. I'm Bob. That's Kevin. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Word Bros. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.